Hi, friends. Today on the Successful-ish podcast, we're talking to film expert Tori Tayanaka about how to successfully use video to tell great stories, answering questions like, what is the typical budget to make a video? How do you tell a story in 30 seconds? How do you know which video company to work with? And as always, we try to keep our conversations uninterrupted because we like it that way. If you would like to help keep it that way, you can support our podcast by visiting anchor.fm slash successfulish slash support. Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete. Successfulish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions of see. I'm successfulish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieved. Successfulish. Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Successfulish. I'm Sarah Michelle, and today I'm talking to Tori Tayanaka, CEO and co-founder of Sparkhouse and a super talented videographer. He is an entrepreneur, inventor, philanthropist, visionary, producer, pioneer, philanthropist, all kinds of fun things. And from founding his first production startup in high school to his multifaceted role as CEO of Sparkhouse today, Tori is an acclaimed and unstoppable force in high concept, branded video production, and serial entrepreneurship. Fueled by a strong desire to pay it forward, Tori has his hands in a wide range of pursuits, environmental, technological, medical, and charitable, that prevent him that prevent him from being pigeonholed. At any given time, he may play the role of inventor, producer, or promoter, designing and developing projects he believes to have the potential to change the world in their own way. And as the success of his creative ventures continues to rise, Tori has become a sought-after consultant and speaker, devoting countless hours to helping others bridge the gap between dreaming and doing by sharing his strategies for startup success and creative resourcing. And I don't remember exactly how I met Tori. It was probably at a networking event years ago in California. I was fresh out of college, Bambi-eyed, and determined to land my first big girl job. And it feels like a lifetime ago. But what I do remember from that season of life was being super cautious and guarded. And I'd been given a lot of well-intentioned but really bad career advice about being professional and perfect and trying to get any job I could get and being thankful for it because we were in a recession. And ironically, I think my professionalism actually cost me a lot of opportunities. And it did lead me to my first job, which was basically a very well-paid intern, the good girl starter role. And I remember doing a tryout day with Sparkhouse, which had a different name back then. I think it was OC Creative or something like that. And yeah, OC Creative Media. Yeah, I, I remember. And I think my parents had possibly less faith in you guys than they did at me at the time. And they totally discouraged me from wasting my time on a kid's startup instead of applying to, quote, real jobs. And I just remember thinking that you guys were so cool and creative and the work you were doing was so great that I had to at least give it a try. And we were filming for some kind of tripod camera or something. And I sort of fell into my comfortable role of wallflower assistant and everyone was just so kind to me. I remember learning so much that day, not just about video, but about the type of work culture that I wanted to be a part of and the types of friendships I wanted. And There were so many things that I had been told couldn't exist or at least couldn't exist successfully. 
you all were young, you were bros, you had this startup in a super competitive space in a very expensive and competitive city. You were really inclusive of everyone. And it was literally like watching a group of friends get paid to do something they love, which I 100% think can and should exist. And looking back, I really wasn't ready for that job. I think I still had some life to figure out, to entangle, um, but I did use that day to sort of get myself on a few more commercial sets of my agency job, and the day really stuck with me. It really ignited this kick in the pants of wondering if the whole good girl professional show no personality thing was actually good advice. So I will admit that even though we technically only worked together for one eight-hour day like a decade ago... I've been following you guys and plugging your company for a while, and your work has had a big impact on my own work and how I think about entrepreneurship. So thank you for that. I think you guys have just a fantastic culture and company and um, just creativity. So before we jump into your work and everything that you do, what is something that you failed at this week? So I guess just bringing it back to kind of what you were talking about, the young startup, we're still trying to figure things out, you know, 20 years later, um, we're always trying to improve and adjust things. So one thing um, today that we, or this week that we actually kind of failed at, and then we've already implemented changes is um, our our project manager was really feeling flustered about midway through the week yesterday um, and just was like, hey, we, you know, haven't caught up on these projects or as a team or done like a, a stand up. Um, and so literally like this morning, we have a new agenda of how to fix that, um, how to have a recurring meeting on a, on a regular basis to just get everyone else back up to speed. Um, since we worked together, it, you know, obviously lots of things have changed. Um, but uh, on an ongoing basis within our company, we have new people um, that constantly come in and out of the company as, as creative companies do. And so um, just constantly trying to learn and make sure that everyone um, is up to speed, knowing that like not everyone has been here for 20 years like I have. So some of the things that I assume is in everyone's head is just not there. Um, and so I, I feel like I make that mistake on a weekly or monthly basis of going, oh, yeah, you weren't here two years ago, two years ago or even a month ago or whatever it is. And um, yeah, trying to find out the best way to, to uh to get people um, that like share shared hive mind across the entire team without inundating everyone with insane amounts of meetings and memos or updates or whatever, you know, corporate world does to keep giant organizations up to speed. Yeah. It's tough to do, especially as you get bigger as a company to get to a place where you, I think it's natural to sort of forget that people aren't mind readers. And you sort of sometimes think that people are in your head and there's so much going on. You, It's hard to keep track of what you've actually verbalized and who knows what. Um, so that's a lot to wrangle. Tell us a little bit about your successful story. What brought you to where you are today? Sort of what successes and failures do you have behind you? Where are you going? Just kind of tell us who you are and how you got here. Yeah, so I mean, if we stick with Sparkhouse and, and what previously was OC Creative Media, um, it was something, like you mentioned, I started in high school. So I had taken a film class. I really didn't know what I wanted to do in high school. I, I wasn't college bound or I wasn't four-year college bound. You know, my plan was to go to junior college, kind of figure that out. Um, but took a film class, really liked it. And my mom, um, who is a real estate agent, um, you know, came home one day, had hired someone to do a video for one of the houses. This is before videos were really popular in real estate. 
brought it home and showed it to me because she thought I would be interested in it. And as a 15 year old, I was like, that, you know, is not a good video. Or at least I didn't think so. You know, it was very corporate, very clean. Um, and she said, oh, I paid, you know, someone 60 or $70 to do this. And, you know, my eyes lit up and I was like, I'll do it for $50 and I'll do it like every day. That sounds awesome. Um, and it just kind of took off from there. So I started doing videos for her, started doing videos for um, the company that she worked for and then expanded that. Um, we eventually added things like websites and graphic design, uh, social media marketing, um, different things. And once we got enough experience filming houses, we eventually started doing commercials for the companies that were selling the houses or um, relatives of the real estate agents, all these different things. Um, so fast forward, I did go to USC for film school after junior college, kind of honed my creative storytelling um, aspects of, of um, what we're doing, came back to Orange County and um, rebranded OC Creative Media as Sparkhouse. Um, so Sparkhouse um, specifically now, um, just focusing more on just creative video, not, not really doing real estate anymore. Yeah, that's awesome. And you were pretty young. Like you said, you were in high school when you started this. So what was that mm -hmm. process like of really building your brand and your reputation from scratch? Were there things that just were naturally inherent to you? What came with a learning curve? What was that process like? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely, you know, kind of learned by trial and error. I, I definitely had a lot of really good um, and not so good mentors that I kind of latched onto and, and pulled whatever information I could, um, like the formation of my um, my S-Corp, my LLC, um, was done by the the companies uh, that, that was remodeling my parents' house. I was just like talking to the owner of that company. He's like, I got a lawyer that'll help you out. And, you know, he did it for free. Um, we drafted, this was like before I really knew that you could go to legal zoom and do it. Um, but I, uh, looking back you know, I don't know really what I was thinking. We really had a lot of confidence in what we could do. Um, we just kept feeling like people needed to give us a chance and, you know, giving a 15 year old a chance to do a TV commercial is probably not the easiest thing, but, um, I was driving a truck. Um, I had a giant, one of those giant annoying stickers across the back window that said OC creative media. Um, my license plate was OC film. Like I just tried to push out that we were something bigger than what we were. Um, even after college, the first couple of years, or at least the first year we were working out of my parents' extra bedroom, holding meetings in our living room. Um, and yeah, we, we kind of, we did a lot of stuff to, to avoid admitting or, you know, revealing that we were 15 year olds. We did a lot of things through email. Um, and I, put on my big boy voice when I hop on a phone call to try to not be, you know, the little kid that you were giving, you know, some sort of budget to. Um, but uh, really, and, and we're still kind of working in this way, but the proof was in um, what we produced. You know, once we got a couple good productions under our belt, um, people saw that and we got hired off of that, not off of a resume or again, and, and showing that we worked at a certain agency in the past or that we were a certain age or had experience. It was like, we did this video, we could do that for you. Um, and just built on that until, you know, 20 years later that, it, that it, you know, expands quite a bit. Yeah, I think it's an, always an interesting part of branding is getting through the bias part of it, of just the preconceived bias people have before they even work with someone of, you know, thinking like a teenager, what's a teenager know? And 
I've had, it was not that long ago, I needed to get my car washed and I found this website and I called this guy and I thought he was in his forties. He was professional. He had a website. He called back and I showed up and was shocked that it was a 16 year old in a polo shirt who called me ma'am, which made me feel super old. But this cute little 16 year old had this whole enterprise that they had put together and they were so professional they were so put together. And I think that, I think there's something to that, to being underestimated and sort of putting yourself in a situation where you can get in front of people and prove the work and sort of change the bias. Have you, did you see that sort of people looking at you differently or prejudging you? What was that interaction? Like, what was the kind of response that you got from people when they met you? Yeah, I I mean, um, it, again, goes back to your intro, which I don't know, good or bad. Like, you know, we get that kind of like, we're, we're a bunch of surfer bros. Um, and like you said, we are, but at the same time, they're like, oh, you actually, you know, will work late. You, you get the work done. Um, so that kind of first bias goes through, but, um, what, you know, your comment about the polo shirt kind of bring me back. I remember like, especially early on, I used to button up, uh, uh, you know, dress shirts at every shoot, all this stuff. And then, but what you realize is a film shoot is a dirty physical job and it's not something you should be wearing dress shoes to, but I did for the first two years. Cause I felt like that's what I was supposed to do to present ourselves as, you know, a bigger company than what we were. Um, but um, again, I think it comes back to a, a lot of people were, were kind of would say, Hey, you know, at first we thought you guys were wild or super cr- creative and that's what they were hiring us for. But what they, why they stuck around is like, we did, you know, stick, stick to the job. We worked hard. We got it done. We were organized and we have our processes. So um, I think we just surprised them on how, I don't want to say corporate, but how not just, you know, shooting from the hip we were the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. So with video, that's such a creative industry. It's so there's storytelling, there's visual aspects how do you get one vision with multiple creatives? How do you balance that space of respecting and appreciating all the different creativity and personalities and visions that are within your company, everyone who's touching the video, and then translate it in a way where it's a singular vision in the final product? Um, so, I mean, our process there's two different things. I think process and then culture are going to be a big effect of like making sure that everyone has a voice, but that, that throughput, that single line is still powerful. Um, you know, if you have too many cooks in the kitchen, you know, everyone knows that, that can get really messy, but I mean, to start with our process, our first thing we, with any creative thing, um, really is we, we start with a creative brief with our client. Um, so we're really wanting to document exactly what's the goal, you know, let's take our, off our creative hats and what's the goal of this video. Um, what's the budget, what's the timeline, what are all the elements that have to happen before we, um, allow creative to come in again, if you give creative a completely blank canvas with unlimited paint and unlimited size, like that'll turn into something crazy. So you got to first kind of put a box around it. Um, and that's our process. Um, then when it comes into, working uh, with our team i think the the culture around this uh, not necessarily staying in your lane but understanding what team members are good at and where your expertise are um if you're in camera and lighting like that's where you get to shine maybe don't 
push too much of your opinion into the audio choices or the casting choices. We have experts in those fields that we bring in for each of those elements. And so, um, yeah, it's about having respect for each of the teammates, making sure that they, um, you know, have control over their creative. And then um, obviously everything goes perfect and then the client will come in and mess that up. And so we, uh, you got to learn as, as a team to um, accept that, you know, clients um, get what they want. And, and if we need to make a second version so that every team member of ours is happy, then we'll do that as well. Yeah. That's always a fun challenge of making everyone on the team happy making the client happy and trying to, trying to translate that vision. What goes into making a video? It's, I know it's so much more than just point and shoot. What goes into it? What kind of time, talent, equipment, how much goes into what you're producing? How much time you got? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we got a lot. Um, again, so thing that I, I fought with being a creative for a long time was I really thought that every project was super unique and needed um, like a completely new process or a new flow um, that you couldn't just rinse and repeat kind of going back to your car wash idea like every car that comes in I feel like they you know they know let's get it wet first let's clean it first then we'll dry it like whatever and if they have an SUV versus sedan coming in, it doesn't change it. Um, for me, it took me a while to, to wrap my head around that with video. But once we did that and locked down a process, it, it really helps um, the efficiency and just making sure that all of our videos are consistent. But to go to your question, I mean, um, at least with Sparkhouse, what we normally do is we do full concept development. So again, we take that creative brief that I was talking about um, that has goals and, and limitations and whatever feature and benefits we want to cover. We develop concepts that will accomplish those goals, fit within the budget and work powerfully within the distribution plan that they have. So our videos uh, work great on TV or YouTube or whatever the client wants to be using, but we got to, the videos are different. Obviously something you see on TikTok is different than something that you see on TV. Um, so we do first concept development that normally takes a couple of weeks. Um, once that concept is locked, um, we do full script writing. So we have copywriters that will actually write the script, whether that's a dialogue scene, voiceover, or even just text callouts. Um, with that um, locked, then we uh, will do what's called an AV script, which is a text-based storyboard. And really what that's doing is planning out all of the visuals that we're wanting to produce. And that gets the client on the same page. The best thing we want to do is get that figured out long before we ever start rolling any um, now digital media, like we don't want to roll anything um, on set when the client hasn't approved it. So once that's approved, then we'll do things like casting actors. We have to cast, do auditions, uh, callbacks, hire them and do releases. We do the same thing for locations. So we'll scout for locations, find locations, um, rent them, uh, secure permits, deal with all of that. Um, we handle props and wardrobe. So we're going to do a lot of um, Amazon and Target buying and returning. Um, and then the production day itself or the production days, um, the, the closest thing I, I compare it to is really like, um, a professional party planning day. It's a lot of people coming in for a very short amount of time. They all have their expertise and they all need to be timed around different things. So, you know, um, we have a couple different production trucks, but we go normally onto location, whether it's a house rental or a park or a beach. Do all the filming and then 
I, I kind of breeze over this, but this is actually some of the longest periods of time as we do all of the post-production. So that includes things like editing, graphics, titles, color correction, 2D animation, 3D animation, um, lots of different elements. So um, even though a 30 second video of a person sitting in a living room seems like, like you said, you should just hit record and it's done. Um, normally takes us two to three months um, from start to finish from kind of the client engaging with us and us, you know, concept all the way to finally delivering the video. Um, and with today's social media stuff, um, that might expand into more of a campaign where it's a series of videos or alter alternate um, deliverables, like, like I said, things that would go on Instagram, things that go on reels versus um, stories versus feeds, all those different kind of things that we would do for the videos. I think that's an important thing that to understand how much goes into a project. And I think with any type of creative space, I don't think people understand. I think whether it's looking at a painting and thinking, well, how hard is it to paint a canvas or whether it's looking at marketing? I mean, I work in brand identity. There's not a lot of tangibility to that. You know, there's a lot of, well, I don't get it. Is that just a logo? Why, why would I spend time in it? And people don't understand the amount of thinking and pre-production and post-production that really goes into making a successful product. And I think like most things with video, you could find something at any budget. You probably could just pull out a camera phone and do it for free, or you could spend millions of dollars. So what is a rough, like good budget range for someone looking to produce a video? What are the the types of budget buckets? And I know that's such a, a hard question because it depends on the goals, but if you could break it down sort of roughly in budget frames of what's realistic that someone should be shooting for. Yeah. Um, so like you said, I mean, I think video is super important. So if any of the budgets that I mentioned now are, are beyond what a company is thinking they want to spend, don't get discouraged and go film it yourself or hire someone that's still in school and film something. Um, there's always a place for that. But um, budget, and you were saying like something can be free and something can be millions of dollars, which sounds kind of crazy to have in the same sentence. But the way that I look at it is how much are you willing to risk failure with that video? Um, and what that comes back to is if you're thinking about starting a YouTube channel for your brand or for, you know, your company and you put out a video and it's not successful. Um, how much are, is that a risk to your company's brand to, you know, your customers looking at you like it was a mistake versus if Apple or Microsoft or Tesla were to come out with a TV commercial that flopped, um, what is that worth to them? And what does that do to their brand? Um, and again, that's why Apple spends millions of dollars on something that, that again, seems fairly simple. So that would be my first thing is how much is it, how much is the risk of failure with that video? Um, but when it comes to like a standard video, the thing that at least our agency works on is the concept drives 90% of the cost. So the concept is going to determine things like how many days of filming are there? So one day of filming is obviously cheaper than 10 days of filming. Um, concepts include things like how many actors we're going to do have, um, how many locations that we're going to need to rent, whether there's props or costumes and all those different things. But, um, I guess to give you the, the brackets that we have, I mean, we start around 15,000 for a video and go up, um, to about a half a million to a million dollars. Um, and, and it's really driven by the concept. And so, like I said, our team helps develop the concept. So 
we really need the client to bring in some sort of marketing plan with a target budget or a budget range saying, you know, this is the goal of what we're trying to do. We're trying to drive more sales on Amazon. We have $50,000. What can we do um, within the video space? And we can help develop, say, 10 small concepts that fit within that budget um, so that you have a lot of different uh, pieces of media for different distributions or maybe one big concept that's going to be used as like a launch video. Um, we work really closely, whether it's the marketing department of a brand or marketing agencies um, that hire us directly, um, where they have a lot more uh, background on the marketing budgets, the, the strategies, the plans that, that that client or that brand is going to roll out over the next year. And we try to fit within there. So it, it's normally not the, the easiest to just say you should spend $20,000 on a video. That just happens to be kind of where our customer base and the types of videos that we're working on um, kind of sit. But um, when we started, we were doing videos for two, $3,000, um, but they were just, maybe the crew was one or two people. We weren't hiring actors. It would be a friend or it would be someone from the company. Um, we weren't renting locations. We were you know, filming at, at the, the businesses that we were getting hired by, all those types of things that you can do to accommodate smaller budgets. Yeah, I, I think that's such an important thing for anyone who's going to invest in any type of creative or marketing to to feel confident that it is an investment, not a cost, and to know what that big picture is. And are you making a video just because you feel like you should make a video, or do you actually have a vision for what this is going to do for your brand or for your company, how this is going to return? When it comes to choosing which videographer to work with, how should we go about making that decision? What kinds of questions are really important to ask to make sure that it's a good fit? Um, I think budget is going to be a huge factor. I think budget, um, different agencies have different kind of um, just levels that they produce and, and you'll see it in their work. Um, but you'll, uh, if you have a specific budget, you need to stay within that. That should be something that's brought up um, super clearly. Um, I think understanding each other's vision of uh, not necessarily the creative, because a lot of times the creative is not figured out during that the um, the vetting process. But just understanding like that the the production company that you're talking to understands your company, your service or product that you're selling. They understand why uh, or like what are the features and benefits and why your customers are interested in your product. Because um, yeah, if, if a production company doesn't understand something, how are they going to make a, a successful campaign around that? Um, I think people say, you know, like a confused customer is not going to buy. Isn't it just if they're confused, they're not going to buy. And so if your production company is confused, they can't tell that right story. So just having that understanding. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I whenever companies talk to us, I encourage them to just talk to other um, teams. It, it's it's a relationship. It's not a product that you're buying that you're going to be able to buy from us and just leave. You're going to be working in most cases with us. Like I said, for two to three months, um, even though we are full service, we rarely are told like, here's a product. We'll see you in three months. Someone wants, you know, they want to collaborate on the script or collaborate on hiring, which cast we want to do. We're going to definitely lead you in the right direction, but you got to like working with us. Otherwise it's not going to be a fun couple of months. Yeah, absolutely. How are companies using video 
what what is video used for? How are they using it to is it to drive engagement? Is it to grow revenue? It's probably a combination of everything. How are you seeing companies really use video to be more successful? Yeah, so I mean, especially right now, I mean, video can be used for like everything. I know I'm I'm selling video, so that's a, that's in my benefit. But I mean, because of the pandemic, because of people working remotely and communication, you know, there's not as many trade shows. There's so many things that video can do. But in general, I mean, if we were to just um, simplify it as much as we can, I think video is one of the strongest, if not the strongest medium to get the most amount of information um, efficiently and in an entertaining way to an audience, whether that audience is one or a million. Um, but, you know, it's, it's audio, it's visual. So people understand it a lot better than if they're just reading it or just seeing a picture. Um, so for us, it's people trying to really get a point, get a point across, whether it's what are the most um, interesting features and benefits of a product or service? Um, what is this brand trying to be that you're interested in joining, you know, the, the lifestyle, the culture, um, what, what's the feeling that you're trying to get across? And then, um, but how you use it, is all over the place. It can be on your Amazon page. It can be something that's text messaged to you now, something that's in social media feeds. Um, like I said, smart TV. Um, I guess the only thing that I actually encourage for our size of companies is really, you know, let's double take and think about whether or not TV is um, the most successful medium for you, just because um, we have so many ways to target a more niche audience and save you on that media buy. So we spend maybe more money on production or multiple productions and then focus that audience and media buy into, you know, targeting just females of a certain age and a certain demographic to, you know, promote a store or whatever it might be versus let's just blast it on TV and hope someone sees it that that's interested in us. Yeah, which is an important note uh, that if you are looking to spend money on video, a lot of ad agencies push TV because that's where they make a lot of money through those media buys. It's not always in your best interest. I think it's really important to know what your goal is and who you're trying to talk to so that you know if you're a smaller company with a smaller budget, you don't want to try to drive across the country with half a tank of gas which a lot of times is what happens with small companies that get sold on TV. You don't have a big enough budget to really make a penetration in your market. So I think that that's a really important point. And there's so many ways to be creative with video, whether it's through social media or YouTube, so many different opportunities. And other than just being a generic advertisement of here's what we're selling, you should buy it. Storytelling is such an important piece to to any kind of relationship to brand building. So, why is video an important part to storytelling, and how do you go about taking a a big story and a big vision? How do you decide what to share and how to frame it in a short video so that you're really communicating a powerful emotional story in potentially ten to thirty seconds of time? Um. I guess for that, it, it really depends like where we are within the funnel. Um, and so to, uh, in, in that sales funnel, you know, if we're at the top and we're looking to just establish brand awareness, that's going to be a little bit less storytelling or engagement that we need versus as we flow down that funnel and we have something that we're, we're I, I feel like videos, some of the most powerful is building trust. Um, so 
um, a lot of what we focus on is just having a video that's worth watching. I mean, that kind of goes back to media, the media buy thing is um, there is a time and a place to, to do a TV ad and then force feed, literally force someone to watch that 30 second ad. Um, but I think at least the media that, that I grew up with, um, I was the age, I think in high school and, and middle school was when TiVo, TiVo came out and we started fast forwarding through commercials and then, um, you know, YouTube was out and we started watching things on, on YouTube and on the internet instead like so many of the most powerful ads or the power, most powerful videos are videos that people are choosing to watch. So again, whether they're searching it out on YouTube or on their website and clicking on it and engaging, it just needs to be worth watching. It's a valuable thing. Um, not like, Hey, thanks. I had no other choice. I had to watch this and now I'm going to forget you or hate you more than what I had before. Um, so I don't know if I answered your question about storytelling, but I think that's what we focus on more. And um, storytelling can be an element of that. So if, if a video is so entertaining, um, even if it's not helpful, that it was just enjoyable to watch, then, you know, you win and your your audience is going to thank you for that. Basically, they're going to uh, appreciate the fact that they got to watch a, a quality piece of, piece of content versus, um, I guess, the worst comparison is like an infomercial, right? That thing that turns on and you're like, cool, I'm stuck here for two and a half minutes and I have to watch it and that's it. So um, we try to, you know, do everything we can to avoid being like that. Yeah. And I think video can be extremely engaging, especially Super Bowl commercials that have their own sort of reputation. And I know growing up, I'm not huge into sports. And so I would use TiVo to go backwards. I would fast forward the game and we would have commercial parties. And so I'd have all my girlfriends and we would just watch all the commercials and fast forward through the football. And people talk about those commercials for months. You know, they become whole campaigns, they ignite new ideas. So I think that you can have a lot of fun with it. What is the most fun or creative video you've ever made? Um, well, I guess just quickly, but before we go too far with the, the Super Bowl, I'm, I'm in the same thing. I love watching the commercials and I'm actually, I don't know if you were a part of the ad federation in Orange County at all, but um, a great organization. We actually host a Super Bowl commercial party like the day after the Super Bowl or the week after the Super Bowl where we just watch the commercials and organize them, you know, by car commercial, by beer commercial, whatever, and kind of judge them or at least critique them. And it's really fun. But for me, I'm a like huge so sports fan. Fun. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. I, I know it sounds geeky to anyone who's not in this industry, but I would 1000% go to a commercial party. And yeah, it's, it's great. <laughs> but what I was going to say, when I'm watching the Super Bowl, I'm a huge sports fan and a huge commercial fan. So where it leaves me is like no bathroom breaks, just obsessed with watching it. I leave for the halftime show. That's my normal break. But um, most creative thing I think that we've done was actually quite a long time ago. Um, we did a commercial or not a commercial. We did a web series for a um, computer accessories company. So these are actually this is dating our video. but. Um, when a lot of gamers were using PC towers and had, you know, all the different components inside that you would upgrade to better play your video game. Um, we did a whole web series kind of themed around a video game. So there was, you know, um, people breaking into different uh, warehouses and there was helicopters and Humvees and these kids had to go through basically fight an army, but they were a bunch of, you know, 18 year old kids. Um, 
And this whole web series was, I think, six or seven episodes. But what we did was all of the weapons that they used were hyper-realistic versions of the electronics that this company was selling. So whether it was a power supply that was um, you know, normally used to power a computer, they were using it as some sort of tool to you know, power a machine or turn something on. Um, one of their guns was something that was, a, that was actually a graphics card that we built into something that looked more like a gun. Um, so really just, um, I think what that did was it tapped super deep into focusing on who are we trying to talk to, again, gamers, and what gets them excited with gaming and, you know, what, what's the ultimate game is almost where we are now, metaverse. Like, how do you become part of the game and, and kind of sneak into that world and, and make it real? And, and that's what we did through these, these episodes. And so, um, they're still online, but I think they came out in 2010 or 2011. So it's been a while. Awesome. Have you ever made a really bad video? Lots. Yeah. <laughs> Norm- normally the client's fault, I'll say. No. Um, the, um, sometimes we go into projects kind of knowing um, that this is not a, um, I hate to say bad video, but I mean, it's just not going to be an amazing video. Um, there's an, but the thing is, there's a there's a market for that. There's a need for that sometimes. Um, I, I guess to compare it, like I don't think people, you know, the, the cheapest car on a, a, a used car lot is not. It, it is the the cheapest, shit, crappiest car, but it it gets the job done for a specific purpose. Sometimes you don't need, again, a Ferrari to just go to A to B. Um, and carry something. And so some of the videos that we've worked on, we, we kind of help our clients with everything. So we've done training videos, internal training videos, like internal update videos um, along the way. Um, but there's definitely been videos that I feel just haven't hit the mark um, the, the way that we thought they were. Um, they Sorry, the, the way that we thought that they would. Um, and again, not to point fingers, but it's normally when there's like too many cooks in the kitchen, it's something, something happened where, um, maybe we had a a really good writer or director that came up with a concept and, you know, the the concept as, um, many people in creative world, like there's so much thought and process that went into that concept, like baking a cake. And if someone says, Hey, I don't like this one ingredient, it sometimes just falls apart and it has nothing to do with, um, you know, how well thought out and planned that was is because we had to change something that just shouldn't have been changed. And um, yeah, I, I don't think I'll call out any of them specifically, but you, you'll, I'm sure uh, maybe we don't promote the ones that we don't love. So some of those that, that are hidden on our website, you might find that aren't as fun to watch. What was the tragedy for any creative when you just pour your heart into something and then a client comes back and it's like, no, I want to make it all boring. I want to take it all away. I want to do this. And you're like, oh, well, that's not going to my portfolio. <laughs> yeah. And part of uh, what I do in my company and, and as, as our team, like we do have some really talented young creatives and directors that come through our team. And part of what we do is, is educate or almost, you know, be their therapist to explain why, why we're going to, you know, kill their concept or change it. Um, but yeah, we learn along the way as well. What's the best way to, to pitch those things so that we get the best possible, um, direction and, and how do we manage some of that input? I, I think that's something also like that to look for in a, in an agency, whether it's video or anything is like, 
an agency that knows when to push back um, so that, you know, you don't, you don't get, get allowed as a client to screw up your own project. Um, but yeah, we've had plenty of directors that'll pitch like, oh, here's my four ideas. I hate the fourth one, but I just put it in there and I'm like, that client's going to pick it. Let's not put it in there because they will always pick the one you don't want. Um, and so, uh, yeah, learning around uh, those kind of experiences and understanding what's the best way to present to those clients to just make sure we're, we're getting something that we're using, again, the expertise of our team. We've been doing it for a long time. So hopefully that the client trusts us enough to, to manage that. Yeah, I, I know a lot of times in my work when I've worked with clients, when I run into that issue, it it's an issue of self-awareness. And it's almost like you you have people who are telling you who they want to be rather than who they are. And so they have this idea in their head of wanting to present a certain brand or a certain visual, and it's just not accurate to what exists, but they think that's what they need to look like because they see their competitors looking like that, or they just think that that's supposed to be the case. How do you have those conversations about being respectful to someone's views, but also trying to help them sort of open their eyes to the reality of what they actually are and what their story really is? Um, so in most cases, we're, you know, we're not a full service agency. So a lot of times we don't deal with, you know, the brand and like, who are they about positioning and things, you know, we're taking a lot of that from whether it's a branding agency or a brand department that brings it to us. So we don't, we don't normally push too much there. Um, but kind of going back to our process, like we, we do make them distill it down into a creative brief where we pen to paper, understand black and white, like what, what you think the core features are, what your clients think your core benefits are. And so if, if along the way, when we're trying to pick something like a location or a style, if we think it contradicts, it's really easy for us to go back to that creative brief and be like, this is what we signed off on. It doesn't make sense here. Um, and then just depending on, on what that dynamic is, are we putting our foot down and saying, you know, we're not going to do it? Or do we need to back up and redo that creative brief? Because whether you were confused or lied or whatever on the brief, but we need to to redo the, do all that and help them. Um, but yeah, it, it's a fine line, you know, um, we live in a world of, uh, in the agency world, you know, the client is almost always right. <laughs> and we, you know, we, uh, at the end of the day, sometimes we do have to explain to them that we don't agree with this and this is what we think is going to happen. And if, if you want to do that, you know, we can go for it, but I like to give as much of our advice and the use of our experience, um, to give you the best possible video. Um, I, one thing that stood out again, kind of going back to our roots of, of real estate, my mom um, remodeled her home uh, 15 years ago now, but had a builder, you know, that, that was very customer driven and said, you know, how do you want this shower laid out? Do you want the door over here? Or do you want the door over here? Or do you want the shower head over here? Or the shower head over here. And my mom really enjoyed that process and said, you know, I want the door here and the shower head here. And the, the, per, the guy said, okay, and built it. But the thing that I learned from that process was that builder didn't bring in his expertise on understanding that the way that her layout was, which she wasn't thinking about because she's not an architect, was that door is going to open. And when you go to turn that shower on, you're going to be in the shower and you're going to get hit with water. And every time it's going to be cold. And so 
that's something that, again, you, you need to lead your clients and then maybe nudge them a little bit and show them that like, we've got, we've done this a thousand times. Here's what we've seen. Um, and then at the end of the day, if they prefer to get hit with water in the morning, then let them do it, you know, and that's the end of it. Yeah, absolutely. How do you manage ego? Because I know in the creative space, ego is a big piece of it. And a lot of times there's, I think a lot of times there's um, ego in the frame of confidence. You have experience, you've been doing it for a long time, but a lot of times there's ego just in the, the wild, untamed, I'm a creative and my vision is better than anyone else's vision because I see the world differently. So how do you balance that being in a creative agency and even working with clients who are possibly creatives because they're looking to create these videos? How do you balance all the multiple egos floating around? Yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean, to start with clients, we really don't have a lot of control over clients and clients are not with us for a super long time. And so the way that we avoid that is, you know, sometimes we, we build contingency plans about how to manage or how to um, work with someone who's got that big ego at another client. Um, but again, it's kind of out of our control, but at least at Sparkhouse, the culture that we've done inside, and, and this has been around for a very long time. I remember having a conversation, I must've been like 18 or 19 years old with multiple team members saying, um, I don't care how good you are. I really do not care how good you are. Um, it's all about if the team enjoys doing what we're doing. I think you mentioned in um, the the intro, like the team loves doing, making these videos. And it's not because, you know, we could be doing something else, but it's because the team and it's because how we work together. So um, yeah, we've definitely, we've let people go because of egos and we've, we've um, honed it so that, you know, we said, told people like we would rather work with someone who's enjoyable to work with versus someone who's really good. Um, and that normally puts the ego away, um, at least in our experience or, or, um, again, the culture, like, um, if at lunch break, um, not everyone's hanging out, having fun, then there's something wrong on, on the, in the group or someone's got something. Um, and so we try to, as much as we can, just make it more of a collaborative and, and team effort. Like I said, there's no one person that's running everything. And I, I think that is something that you guys did really well. At least the day that I was there working with everyone was we all went to in and out burger, just moment of silence for the loss of in and out burger. They really need to put it on the East coast. <laughs> Um, but everybody was hanging out after the shoot and after a full day of working and the technicalities and making everything work, everyone was still able to eat and laugh and have a good time. And I think that's really important to be able to do as a company. That's a sign of a really healthy culture when you actually enjoy spending time with the people you work with. You don't, you know, hold your breath, get through the workday and then go home and drink a bottle and curse everyone who you spent all day with. So I think mm -hmm. that that is just super important and a really successful piece of what makes you guys who you are. I want to circle back to something that you said um, early on in our conversation, and I'm trying to think of the best way to ask the question, but you had talked about getting started very early and trying to present yourselves as bigger than you are. And I think for any startup, this is such a challenging thing because if you're starting a new company, you're probably starting it because you have some kind of talent and skill. 
you're really passionate about what you're doing. You probably think that you can do it better than what currently exists, but it is very difficult because you don't, you don't have proof of concept. And the only way to get proof of concept is to get out there and get it. So how do you go about presenting yourself and building that reputation and getting that proof of concept without feeling like you're lying or being dishonest? Because I think that that fear of dishonesty and that imposter syndrome, I think, rears its head for anyone trying to run a business of, you know, well, what if someone finds me out? What if I'm presenting myself like a really successful agency and then people find out that I'm in my mom's basement or in the bedroom or wherever? So how do you, how would you recommend someone do that with so many people trying to start companies? How do you go big when you're starting small and still feel authentic and honest? Yeah. So, I mean, I can speak to video and I think I'll try to say it in a way that extrapolates out to all creative, but um, one of the things that I see, so when I was just leaving college, um, my resume um, as a filmmaker was what we did in college. So all of that is narrative, short films, PSAs, all these things. And so my, my first jobs I was trying to, to get was commercials, trying to do whether it's a restaurant commercial or product video. And all of those companies were asking for examples of those types of videos, and we didn't have them. Um, and I'm seeing the same thing with um, uh, students, uh, other young people that are trying to apply to our company now. They just don't have those on their reel. So I, I think one of the first things that people have done is, is spec commercials, right, or spec creative. Um, I'm not a huge fan of it, but it's an option of like creating a commercial or, or a piece of cre- creative for a large brand. Um, not getting paid for it and doing it, you know, something that you're just going to use internally to prove that you can do a Coke commercial or whatever it might be. Um, those are tricky, but what we actually did in the way that we kind of, uh, produced things, I guess, at a higher level was we basically went on Craigslist and we looked for people under gigs looking for videographers. Um, so again, these are small businesses or entrepreneurs who are looking to do, a video, but didn't want to spend the big dollars that uh, an agency uh, required. Um, and so they were looking for freelancers, but we came in and we presented ourselves like, Hey, I know you're looking to spend a thousand dollars to hire a freelancer. We have a whole team and we want to do something bigger than what you're going to be able to do. Um, and those people were really excited because we were basically partnering with them and executing something way above and beyond what, what they could afford, what they were paying us. But it kind of killed two birds. They got something really good. They promoted the crap out of not only the video, but us because it was a cool story. Um, and we got that experience. So we did that on Craigslist. And I mean, I can talk to you. I'm actually working with a, I would say a fortune 500 company now that I met through that exact Craigslist strategy um, over 10 years ago. I'm still working with that that marketing person today. Um, the other thing that we did, um, which I don't even know if this would be possible anymore, but at, at one point, um, Yelp was hiring um, like freelance videographers to go and do videos for companies um, to go on their Yelp page. And so even though I was running my own company, I said, I'll go do that. Not because I wanted to get paid the $350 that they paid, but what that allowed me to do again is, is prove that we could do a juice bar commercial or a gym commercial. And then being the entrepreneur and kind of networking person I am, 
we met with those people that we're doing these, we were doing these very cheap videos for and started engaging with them on what else we could be doing. Um, just introducing them to that whole world of video. And so um, we, I feel like we didn't try to fake it too much, but we just tried to wherever we could get hired to do something bigger than what our resume showed we could do. Um, and, but I think we were pretty honest along the way, like, you know, if you go to an agency, this is going to cost you $20,000. <clears> if you're willing to take a risk, we're willing to do it for $500. Let's see what, you know, let's, let's have fun with it. That's awesome. What would you tell someone who is looking to get started in video or to, to make their first video for their company? Where should they start? Um, so if, if you're interested in getting into video, um, I, I think it would be about understanding and you don't need to figure this out on your own, but you really need to understand what department of video. So a lot of people say get into video there. Um, the person doing the lighting is so different than the person doing the editing or the person doing the makeup versus directing. So I wouldn't say doing video um, is the easiest thing to get into. You need to go explore, figure out what you want to focus on. And, and that could take you years, which is totally fine. Go try them all. Um, it, it's also really good to kind of understand a little bit of all of them. That's what film school gives you. You're going to have to edit. You're going to have to produce and you're going to learn that you hate one of them and love the other, but at least you understand it. So when you're working together, you can sympathize when you're asking for something horrible. Um, but kind of going back to the culture of just enjoying people that you work with, what I've seen in the film world, at least in California is go on to any set, whether you're an assistant, a PA running coffee, but do a good job and be enjoyable to be around. And that, that team will invite you back. I've seen more and more people um, move up and get onto giant, huge feature films because they were just, you know, people brought them with them on their next job. You meet them on job one, all of a sudden they're like, I, you know, Tori was great on that last one. I'm going to bring them onto this one. And then you meet someone there and they bring you on to the next one. Um, but again, you got to be, you got to be there and you got to be um, fun to work with. Um, when it comes to making a video, like if you're a brand or you're um, uh, a company that's wanting to just create a video, again, it goes back to kind of the risk factor that we talked about in the budget world of, if you want to keep it super small, I encourage you, you know, film it with your, with your phone. iPhones are epic. They have amazing cameras. Now you can do a lot with it. And if that little video does anything like get you one customer now, imagine what it could do if you actually invested into it, but just go and get it done. Um, level two would be hiring a freelancer, whether it's on Upwork or uh, again, job boards at schools. And then uh, moving into, you know, small companies or medium sized companies like Sparkhouse where, um, just engaging with them for a consultation to see how they think that they can use video to help you grow your business. And um, most of them should be willing to at least, you know, do some sort of exploratory call and, and see if it's a good fit. Um, we deny a lot of work from clients because we just, we know it's not a good fit, um, but we don't leave them hanging. You know, we were so dialed in in the industry. I will introduce that client or prospect to whether it's a competitor, another agency or a freelancer or something else. If, if I think that that's a better fit, um, I will also, um, sometimes I'll recommend like, you know what, you need a website first or you need a logo first. Like this, you're, you, you get excited about video, but you're just not ready for it. So, um, sometimes we, we will push them into that direction. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time and your expertise. And for anyone listening, I would love to hear your thoughts, comments, questions. Shoot us an email at embracetheish at gmail.com or hang out with us online at successfulish.com or Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn at embracetheish. Success and failure, none of opposite ends. Curveball hits, gotta know where to bend. The attitude will affect destination. Interview determines when you're gonna make it. Live between successes, makes life rich. Living every moment, successfulish. Live between successes, makes life rich. Living every moment, successfulish. Hey, successfulish. Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete. I'm successfulish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions hey, to see. I'm successfulish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve. Successfulish. Lose a stack, get it back. Reinvest hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve Successfulish Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete Successfulish Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions to see I'm successfulish Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve Successfulish Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve hey. All this weight on my arms need both flex In this race, but behind need most steps Had to show the learning curve, hope I don't crash Hit your nerves when reserves got low cash When I fail, realize that it won't last You made it through in the past, just look Back, successful ish. You can see how the contrast fires and wins. Use the past and the bounce back. You can never win if you never go and do it. Figure is a hard road, rarely ever cruising. Embracing all my wins with a handful of losing. Expect the drought season when the plans going fluent. I can never really feel it's all how you view it. It's all a lesson, just depends how you use it. Gather all the data and keep it all exclusive. Never ending journey and the growth is therapeutic. My identity is not in what you see. I am the better me. Mistakes others make, I see. Have it teaching me. Compare yourself to others is an insult to tragedy. We will make unique, gotta use again collectively. Broke down my goals in a few look. Can't take them back cause you already spoke them Easily regressive, you don't stay focused Focus, live between success every moment Successfully, another day, another task Think fast with a whole nother mission complete I'm successfulish Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions to see I'm successfully, sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve Successfulish, lose a stack, get it back Reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve I'm successfulish, another day, another task Think fast with a whole nother mission complete Successfulish, pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions to see I'm successfulish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve. Successfully. Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve.